right, before I get into the message, I do want to dismiss any children who would like to go to children's church. Miss Amy standing there at the door to my left and your right, and she would love to see the kids uh, with her. I know some have already met her out in the hallway, and uh, they have actually been a very fruitful ministry over the past month and a half or so, in particular, as we have seen a great number of them receive Christ over that time period. And if you get a chance, they've been doing a bunch of renovations. They're not completed But if you get a chance, go over there today just to look and see what they've done. It truly is incredible, and it looks fantastic. So I also want to take a moment, and this is not something that we normally do, but it's Easter, so we do extra stuff. And someone has uh, placed these flowers here today uh, in memory of T and Ollie Voiles and Ed and Martha Craig and in honor of Eleanor Waring and Sue and William Sarabach. They are placed by... Charlotte Shirley and Kay Seegers this morning. So I just express appreciation to the family for that. It is very much appreciated. It is a blessing to be able to worship and celebrate the Lord. We had a great sunrise service this morning. And uh, again, I think I mentioned earlier, we were right around 100 people or so for that. And it was a great time just to be able to worship the Lord. It is so much warmer in here than it is out there. Uh, So I'm sure you're appreciating that. Uh, By the time I'm done, I'll be wishing I was outside probably because I get hot up here every week anyways. He is risen. risen That has been the cry of the church for nearly 2,000 years and it still rings true today. He is still risen. He is still alive. Jesus is the risen king. He is victorious over death. He is recognized by his disciples, validated by the scriptures, and enthroned over all of creation. That truth changes our faith, our theology, and it ought to also change our lives. The resurrection also changes very practical ways that we live. The resurrection isn't just a doctrine to believe, but rather it is a truth that should change everything about our behavior. Luke 24 addresses this very well, and today that's where we're going to spend some time in his word. As many of you know, former President Jimmy Carter has been in poor health for uh, some time now. In fact, if I am correct, he is still under hospice care. If I am not correct, don't tell me, just let me go along with my sermon illustration. If I am correct, he is still under hospice care, but his time on this earth seems to be very short. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that the time of his death comes, and immediately it would be plastered on every news station and media outlet around the world. All of us would know that this man was dead. But now add to that story, remember it has not happened yet, so uh, hopefully you don't go home and find that it happened this morning as I was speaking it. But now add to that story... Imagine that a few days later, as you watch your favorite news station, a breaking news alert cuts in. The anchor explains that this former president has come back to life. The nation would be in shock. As you change the channel, you discover that the same news is the subject of every channel out there. You go to work and everyone is talking about it. You browse the internet. And everyone is posting or blogging about it. It's monumental. It's impossible. It's never happened before. Or has it? Actually, it has. I know that this defies the laws of physics, 
but it is perfectly in line with the power of God. You see, it was actually God who put those laws. He chooses to operate outside of those laws, then that's his prerogative. He is certainly not bound by human law nor natural law. He is by nature supernatural. Well, the resurrection story is recorded in all four of the Gospels. It was something that was talked about by everyone when it happened. All four of the Gospels felt as though this was important to address. And I really don't have a preference as to which one we read from typically. However, I've spent the last month and a half or so talking about the parables that Jesus told from the Gospel of Luke. And then last week, we looked at the triumphal entry from the Gospel of Luke. And as a result, today, we are going to look at this triumphal resurrection from the Gospel of Luke today. We're going to be in chapter 24. Listen to it with me this morning as I read just the first 12 verses to you. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. In the verses that would follow, we see that there is much more to this story. As Jesus would appear to multiple groups of people, each time confirming that he truly was the resurrected Messiah. And what an incredible day this would have been. By the way, it was really important that he appear to multiple individuals because if one person has seen the resurrected Christ, everyone else will deny that they know what they're talking about. Can you imagine me out golfing and I got a hole in one by myself? And I go back and I tell everybody about it. Yeah, I got this hole in one. It was great. and Nobody was there, but I got a hole in one. I wonder how many people are going to believe that. Well, y'all believe me, hopefully, so maybe y'all would. But the reality is the vast majority of people who don't know me are going to look and they're going to say, well, it probably didn't really happen the way he said that it happened. It's not just one individual who sees the resurrected Christ. Clearly, this was turning into a great day, but it did not start out that way. As you can see here, these ladies had no anticipation that something incredible was about to occur. In fact, they are merely going to complete the burial rituals that were required in that day. As each individual was buried, they would typically be wrapped uh, a certain way, and then they would have oil anointed on them, and then they would be left in the tomb. And they would stay there. Nobody's coming out because they're not coming out. The reality is death 
stinks. So that tomb would stay closed and nobody else would go in there. But on this particular occasion, these ladies were not able to complete the burial ritual on the Friday of Jesus' birth as his death took place too close to sundown. Well, they couldn't do it on the Sabbath either. That would have been Saturday. That was against their law. The Jewish law would not allow them to go and to perform these rites then. So here they are early on Sunday morning, just going through the motions, doing what they had to do, doing what was expected of them. I won't go too much into their state of mind for these ladies as I touched on that already in the sunrise service this morning. But can you imagine how dark the world seemed to them that morning. They were completely unaware that Jesus had already been resurrected, that he was alive, he was no longer bound by the grave. Can you imagine how dark that morning must have felt for them? Jesus is more than just some popular figure to them. To them, he is someone whom they have loved. To them, he had the power to do what nobody else can do because they had seen it themselves. To them, he was the hope of all humanity, but now he was dead. I wonder if they wrestled with whether or not they even wanted to get out of bed that morning to complete this burial ritual. You know, you're laying there and you're just thinking, what's the use? Who cares if I get up and go do this? Jesus is dead. He's gone. Or perhaps they had not even been to bed yet so filled with grief that they couldn't even sleep, that they lie in bed all night awake, grieving their lost loved one. It's clear that they had no expectation of a resurrection taking place that morning. But a resurrection had indeed already taken place. In fact, it's fair to say that Easter is about the resurrection, but it is also very much about the living Savior. In fact, listen to the words of the angels as they spoke to these women at that empty tomb. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. You're telling me Jesus who is dead is alive again? Yes, Jesus crucified is alive and whole. And in the hours ahead, we see that others will personally experience this resurrected Jesus. We're not going to read the entirety of the chapter, but the next group we're introduced to is a couple of travelers who are walking down a road. And as they walk, they're talking about the events that have taken place over the past few days. And suddenly, they're interrupted by another traveler whom they do not initially recognize. It's the first day of the week. I know for us, we think, well, no, it was actually... On, uh, on Sunday, that's still a day off. Actually, no, in their culture, the Sabbath was Saturday. That was the day they typically took off. Sunday was the first day of the work week. They're also coming out of the Passover celebration, meaning that there's likely much work to be done. These guys are on their way to a town called Emmaus, there are also so many distractions for them on this walk. Perhaps for them, they were going just to do business, and this is just a random conversation. 
They can't help but talk about the things that have taken place during the Passover break. And then this stranger walks up, seemingly not having a clue about the crucifixion and the supposed resurrection that these ladies have already begun to talk about. And so they begin to share with him all that has taken place. But in an instance, the tables are turned in this conversation. Suddenly, the student becomes the master. He reminds them of the things that Jesus had taught. He reminds them of the things that the prophets had proclaimed. And then he reminds them of the things that Jesus had done, even breaking bread with them. And it was at that moment when this individual began to break bread with these two travelers that they realized that this was not some random traveler on the road with them but rather this was the resurrected Jesus himself. And as soon as they realized it, suddenly he disappeared. But he had appeared to two more people. So what do you do with an encounter with the resurrected Jesus? The women who encountered the angels at the tomb or in the Gospel of John, it was the resurrected Christ that Mary Magdalene encountered at the tomb. That's the one we read from in the sunrise service. And now you have these two travelers who they have encountered the resurrected Christ. What do you do with that encounter? You go and you tell somebody. You're going to keep that quiet? I don't know. Maybe if you think you're crazy, but you got other people that are seeing it too. So maybe you're not so crazy. Maybe you're all seeing the same thing. The living Savior is once again alive. Yes, you're going to go tell somebody. And this would be the only news that everyone would be talking about. I mean, even those who hated Jesus, those who stood opposed to him, they would be talking about it as well. The local paper would talk to eyewitnesses who claimed to have seen Jesus. They want to hear the firsthand stories. The national media would talk to experts who would try to explain away the hysteria that seemed to be occurring among so many people. But among those who followed Jesus so closely, this was more than a news story. For them, the Savior of the world was alive. But even they would struggle with what all of this means. And, and maybe part of it is because they're wrestling with things that are internal within themselves already. Many of them have left their homes, their families, their work to go and follow this Jesus. Did, did I make the wrong decision? Imagine Peter. You remember the battle that would probably have been going on in his heart? At the Last Supper, Jesus warned him that Satan had asked to sift him out. And basically there was a temptation that was coming and Satan, or, or Peter declared, there's no way that I would ever deny you, Jesus. I'll be faithful. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'd be willing to even die for you. But on that very night, Jesus would be denied by Peter. Peter would declare, I don't even know the man. We're told that after the third time, that Peter denies him, he goes away and he weeps bitterly, which tells me that on this day, as the news of Jesus' resurrection is breaking, that Peter is still probably so conflicted and filled with regret and remorse, more than likely he wants to believe that it's true, but how could this possibly be true? We saw him die. 
Surely they believed that he was the Savior when he was alive. But this seems like nonsense to them. Even as the women hurry back to tell the disciples, these disciples don't immediately believe in what they're hearing. Perhaps they questioned whether these ladies have been too blinded by their grief and now they're simply imagining things. It does tell us that Peter ran to the tomb to see for himself. I do find it humorous, but the Gospel of John, obviously written by John, tells us that Peter was not the only one to run to the tomb. In fact, John ran with him. Listen to John 20, verse 4. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, I just want you to picture this for a moment. Remember that John and Peter were actually cousins. I picture John looking at Peter. Is there a picture that's up here or no? There it is, yes. I picture John looking at Peter and just saying, I beat you. The little bit of a grin and enjoying the moment. I almost picture Peter saying, well, nobody's going to know about it. And then John writing a book about it. But even upon seeing the empty tomb, it seems that they leave not really sure of what is going on. To them, it was still an ordinary day in the midst of a very, very dark time. But the reality is that something fantastic had already taken place. And now you've got these two other travelers who they also have experienced the resurrected Christ. You would expect that these disciples are starting to piece together. Could it be true? Is it possible that Jesus has been resurrected? These ladies said they saw the resurrected Christ or they had heard that Jesus was alive. And now these men are saying that they have heard it. At what point do they begin to believe? In a manner, I almost see these disciples as having become like the Samaritans that Jesus encountered on his way to Jerusalem. His disciples had gone into town to get supplies, and Jesus finds himself at a well. It's not a random meeting. There is a lady that is there that he wants to talk to, but it appears he's just there to get some water. This woman comes up, and they talk about all kinds of things. But this conversation was especially important because it was actually the first time that Jesus would admit that he was the Messiah that her people had been looking for. This was an incredible moment. At the end of the conversation, this woman at the well would believe in Jesus. She would then go back and she would tell all her friends and probably even a few other people that were not friends that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had come. In fact, listen to the words of John 4, verse 39 to 42, as we see their response. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his many his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. 
So here they are, they believed only because of what someone else had said, but now they have experienced it firsthand. Now fast forward to the story of Jesus' resurrection. The disciples have heard from the women at the tomb. They've seen the empty grave. They've heard from the travelers on the road to Emmaus. But they're still not sure of what to make of all of this. And then it happens. Luke 24, 36 says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. You ever had somebody jump out at you and scare you? Probably most of us have had that at some point or another. I wonder if Jesus might've done it here. Peace. These guys think they're locked in here, they're safe, nobody else can get in, and all of a sudden Jesus appears and says, actually, I'll tell you the truth, I doubt that's what he did. It's just a fun way of looking at it. Jesus knew exactly how broken and conflicted these men were that day. They were heartbroken over what had taken place. They were filled with regret. They were already debating amongst themselves the things that maybe they should have done differently And Jesus, in that gentle, calming voice, looks to them and he says, peace be with you. These people now, they would believe not only because of what they had heard from someone else, but because they had experienced him firsthand. I want you to notice what is happening here. The women experienced the resurrected Savior. The travelers experienced the resurrected Savior. And finally, later in the day, the disciples would experience the resurrected Savior. The result upon all three of these groups of people would be the same. They are changed by their encounter with him. They move from deep sorrow into incredible joy. And it may not have been an overnight, immediate thing. We know that later on, Peter would actually have to be restored on the seashore by Jesus. When Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? We're told that Jesus, as he asked that question, he knows the heart of Peter. Peter is grieved the third time he's asked that question. Why? Because he still carried that burden within him. But they move from a deep sense of sorrow to joy. They move from cowardice, hiding behind locked doors, to proudly proclaiming the resurrected Jesus. But I share that because I want you to understand that such change only took place after the individual had a personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Think about it for a moment. The resurrection had taken place early on Sunday morning, even before the ladies got there. But the disciples don't have their personal encounter with the resurrected Christ until later in the day. What that means is that although the resurrection had taken place already, until the personal encounter took place, the resurrection was basically irrelevant to them. They didn't even know that it had happened. Only upon experiencing the resurrected Christ would they be changed. Likewise, the resurrection of Jesus Christ took place nearly 2,000 years ago. 
Yet for so many, this is nothing more than a historical fact, or for many even, just a story about what might have happened years ago. These individuals have never really had a personal encounter with Jesus. So although Jesus conquered sin on the cross, and although Jesus conquered the grave by rising from the dead, this is simply useless information until the moment that you have a personal encounter with him. If you have not yet had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you to do so today. By the way, I'm not just talking about those outside the church here. You see, the reality is there are many who are inside the church who we've been going through the motions, much like those ladies were that morning they went to the tomb. They're doing the things that they're supposed to do just because that's what they've been told to do. It's It's what's expected of them. Some of us who have been in church all our lives, we go every Sunday morning just because that's what we're supposed to do, because that's what my mom and dad did or my grandmom did. And what happens is we're fulfilling the same obligations that they have been fulfilling. But I'm telling you, until you experience Jesus Christ personally, it is nothing more than ritual. I'll tell you, Easter is not about ritual. I know for some of us it is. For some of us it's the Easter bunny. For some of us, it's the eggs. For some of us, it may even be being in church. I remember as a kid, it was getting dressed up. Y'all saw pictures last week of me and my family as we went to Easter church, whatever it was. I don't even remember if we went to church. We just, she made us get dressed up. Sometimes it's just the ritual, but what it ought to be is a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. If you have not yet had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to do so today. What makes this day so great is that it truly changed the trajectory of all humanity. We were dead in our sins with no real hope of resurrection, redemption. We could never do enough to make up for our sins, and God knew it. And so he sent his only son to die for you and me, making a way for us to be made right with him. The only thing he calls us to do is to come before him, to confess our need for him, and to allow him to be the Lord of our lives. What that means is, Lord, I want you to take over my life. There's a bunch of junk in me. There's stuff in me that doesn't belong. There's stuff that I've known has been wrong for a long time. Maybe even right now, as I sit here in this pew, there are things going through my mind, and I'm thinking of the things that I did this week, and it does not measure up with what you want for me. Lord, will you forgive me of my sin? Will you make me right? Will you make me whole? I believe today that there are those in this room that probably need to cross that line of faith, to start that journey, to say that I I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you bow your heads with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we come recognizing that this is the greatest news ever. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. The wage of sin has always been death, and we know that death is what awaits us without you, an eternal death, eternity in hell. But you have made a way for our sins to be forgiven 
for us to be set free. But you have chosen to allow your spirit to dwell in us. And I pray right now that each individual, maybe there are some in here today, and you would just say, Pastor, I want you to pray specifically for me. I want to cross that line. I want to begin that journey of faith today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, right now, I pray that each individual that has just raised their hands, I pray that you would cleanse them from all unrighteous. You tell us to confess our sins and you are faithful and just and you will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray right now that as they quietly, just between you and them, as they confess their sins, I pray that you would forgive them and that you would cleanse them entirely. Lord, I pray that right now you would fill them with your spirit. Lord, I pray that from this moment forward, as they walk out of this place, they will walk as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But to know that death is no longer the end because the resurrection tells me there is life to come. Father, I pray that we would be able to walk out of here with the very same peace that those disciples had after their encounter with Jesus. Peace be with you. Father, I pray today that if there be one here that is not yet ready to surrender their lives to you, but they know deep down inside that there is a need, Lord, I pray that you would, that you would put a, a sense of conviction upon them to the point that they cannot rest until they make their hearts right with you. Lord, I pray that they, they would reach a point, maybe even today, where they would surrender everything and that their lives would be changed Lord, I thank you for the grace that made that possible for me and for so many other people in this room. Lord, make it available to them today as well. Thank you again for what you've done for us. Thank you for this hope that we find in your son, Jesus Christ. Now be honored in us as we celebrate this great event. In Jesus' name, amen. It is such a blessing to be able to worship with you and to be able to celebrate the Lord's blessing to us. Uh, that being said, I want you to know we do this every Sunday. We don't baptize every Sunday, and we don't uh, call it Easter every Sunday. But every Sunday, we come together and worship. And if you don't have a church home, I want you to know we would love to have you as a part of our church family. It is such a blessing to have you with us. If you had those cards, if you would, when you leave, there are two ways you can get rid of those cards. Um, one is uh, there's going to be individuals, there's offering plates, they're receiving offering. While they're doing that, you can place those cards in those offering plates. Or there's actually a welcome table, and if you'll go to the welcome table, they got a bunch of stuff, and this is for the guests, sorry, those who have been here for forever. They got a free gift that they want to give to all the guests that are here as well. Thank you so much for being a part of our service today. Um, if, you, if you can come back, Join us again. Go in peace.